Welcome to Front Porch Confessional, your weekly Devo podcast. My name is Jeff Goki, and I am so happy that you have tuned in today. Welcome to episode number 22. Now, I, uh, I had promised you at the beginning of season two that we're going to kind of mix it up a little bit. Um, I've uh, recently procured some new equipment so that I can do some interviews. And so what we're going to be moving on starting next week is that I'm going to start interviewing some people. And and really what it is, is wanting to get their feedback on some of their passages. So you've heard from me, I think we're in like episode 53 or 54, something like that. Um, And so you've got plenty of me. And so I think it would be really cool if some of you, like, look, if you would like to be on this podcast, if you would like to kind of sit on the front porch with me, Send me a thing on uh, uh, on Instagram. Send me a direct message on Instagram. Um, I w- and maybe we can schedule a time for you to come sit on the front porch with me. Unpack your favorite uh, passage. I would love to do that. So we're going to start that next week with a friend of mine. Won't tell you who, but you can be looking out for that next week. When we're going to interview somebody and get their insight on a passage that's really, really impacted them. We'll do it here on the front porch. Really, really excited to incorporate that as a part of our new rhythm in season two. So I'm really, really excited about that. This passage, so good. I've been studying in 1 Corinthians for about the last month uh, through that journal uh, Bible that I was telling you about. That's been a really, really great thing for me, really great resource. Uh, You can find it on Amazon. Really, really awesome. I think they're called like the Scripture Journals. They're called Scripture Journals. Really, really cool. So I've been going through 1 Corinthians, uh, landed me in uh, chapter 13 this week, And this passage right here is so great. And it says this in verse 13. So now, faith, hope, and love abide. These three. But the greatest of these is love. I'll read it again. So now, faith, hope, and love abide. These three. But the greatest of these is love. Is love. Immense pleasure of over the last 11 years just being a part of what God's doing there uh, through a ministry called Harvest India. And I'm always deeply impacted always deeply impacted when we go visit with local pastors. And uh, one of the things that I've gotten to be a part of is to take groups uh, into these villages in, in the middle of nowhere, these small villages, and uh, and meet. they can meet the pastor. So there's a church there. The pastor has been planted. He's come out of our Bible college. And so what inevitably will happen is we'll do a ministry at night, and then uh, we'll go to the pastor's home. And the pastor uh, will then feed our family. So uh, what's really beautiful about this is uh, a lot of times the pastor will say, I want to do this out of my own heart. And so they sacrifice their whole week's food, their whole week's ration of food to feed us. And this is so mind blowing for Westerners. It is so mind blowing for me because literally we come in and we go, no, 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 we're here to serve you. We're here to love you. We're here to show you how much we care about you. And they're like, no, just receive the love that we want to give you. We so appreciate these pastors are saying, we so appreciate that you've come into our village to encourage us and to encourage um, our, the people that we're pastoring that we want to sacrifice food (laughs) <laughs> food out of our mouths, out of, off of our table, out of our cabinets to the point where many of them, they literally are sacrificing their food for the week. Like I said, 
so that we can eat because they want to serve us. They want to love us well. That has been so hard. In fact, I would say it's one of the more difficult things that I've ever experienced in my life, not because it was tragic, but because it's so beautifully sacrificial because I'm not sure I live that way. It makes me uncomfortable because I think I, I, I don't really live that way. I'm not going without. And so other people can be blessed. And, and it, it's, so, it's so convicting to me. I hope it's convicting you. If you can imagine yourself just sitting in this village, if, you're, if you can just take your mind there with me and you can see this, I mean, this just cement hut and they've just rolled out a banquet for us, people who have so much, and they just want to serve us, and they want to sacrifice us, and they want sacrifice for us, and they want to love us. It just is so humbling for me. And as I think about love, real love, I think about those pastors. I think about the way they have sacrificed not only for me, what they sacrifice for our teams, but what they do for the people in their villages week in and week out uh, is just so challenging and so encouraging uh, for me that I really do want to live in light of their example. But have you observed this? I mean, have you observed this not so subtle shift in our culture around love? Like it literally is the opposite of that. So many people miss it, but it influences uh, us every day. So many people are not understanding the shift in our culture around love. Love has become something uh, that we consume. Like we consume like our favorite beverage. We talk about it like, uh, like a latte at Starbucks. We talk about how we love everything, don't we? I just love that restaurant, right? I love guacamole. Maybe you don't say it like that. That sounded kind of creepy, right? I don't think anyone talks about loving guacamole like that. If you do, it's okay. There's counselors out there, there's therapists, all kinds of great stuff. But anyway, just joking. But you know, like I love guacamole. Like I love it, right? I just love him. He's so funny, right? And you could probably come up with a thousand different things that we say, I love you too. Um, I, I may have told this story before, but it's such a good one. It's good to bring back is when Patty and I were first married, um, I would tell her I love her all the time. Like, I love you, babe. Love you. Love you. Love you. You know, every time I hang up the phone, I love you. And maybe you do this. Maybe with the person that, that you're closest with, you just kind of blindly say, I love, I love you to them. Right? I love you. So I would say that to Patty. And she would often respond with, uh-huh. And I'd be like, what do you do with that? Like, we're newlyweds. I'm expecting, like, this extravagant re- response, like, uh, her going, well, I love you, too. I'm so happy to be married to you. And that wasn't the case. So, you know, I love you. And, and she would, she'd say, okay. And it was really starting to get frustrating to me because I was like, what, what gives? You know, I feel like I'm tossing out the love vibes really hard here. Like I'm using all the love words, right? I'm telling you how special you are, how grateful I am to, to be married to you. And she's just not giving any anything back. And it started to get really frustrating. So one night in bed, I thought, man, I'm going to lay it on thick. So I just like tell her how much I love her, how glad I'm I'm to be married to her. Like, you know, it's so nice to be newlyweds, like all that kind of stuff. And I say, I love you. And she says, okay, good night. And I, I freaked out. I was like, what's your deal? Honestly, tell me what your deal is. Why is it that you won't say I love you 
back to me. Like, I, I, I don't understand it. You should be doing this. Like, we're newlyweds. We should be in lovey-dovey land, and that's not happening. And she said, you know why? Because your I love you is not for me. It's for you. And she was right. I hate admitting it, but she is right. My I love you was just to get a response. My I love you was to fill something up inside of me. It was not sacrificial. It was about it was about an identity problem. I was concerned that that maybe she didn't love me and she, because she wasn't saying it. And the reality was she, she's like, I'm not going to do that to you. I'm not going to fill something up in you that only God can fill up. And it was a beautiful lesson that she taught me. And what it taught me was, is that I am consuming love. Like it's not sacrificial. It's just something I'm consuming. I'm drinking it like my favorite drink. And this is what Paul is revolting against. This is what he's trying to expose in all of us as it relates to love. He, in 1 Corinthians 13, again, I would encourage you to read the whole context. So go in and read this whole passage. It'll make this single verse make so much more sense. But in the context of 1 Corinthians 13, he's taking us through this awesome list of gifts and talents, right? And he's saying, look at all these amazing things. And they are amazing. And they are beautiful talents and beautiful gifts from God. But at the end, he says, you have nothing. You can have all these different things, all these different gifts, all these different talents, but you have nothing if you don't have love. You have nothing. He says in verse 13 that love is the greatest. But what is the love that he is talking about? That is what for so many of us is so so confusing. Is we're trying to figure out like then what kind of love is he talking about here? It's to, it's a love that is all about sacrifice. The same sacrifice that Jesus gave us. This is the love he's talking about. This is a countercultural love that as we learn to embrace and live into, it will radically change the way we live our lives. You see, this love that Paul's talking about, this is the kind of love that washes feet, right? The God who holds his creation's feet in his hand and he washes their dirty feet. This is, that's what love does. Love meets the unloved. He meets the woman at the well, right? He meets the woman caught in adultery. He meets the leper. He meets the blind person. He meets people all over the place that the society has abandoned. But what love does is it goes to those people. It meets those people. It cares about those people. Love lays down its life. It's what Jesus did. It's what first John is talking about. If you love somebody, would you lay down your life for them? That's what real love is. Love is sacrifice. Love forgives. Jesus is on the cross. He's not like, Father, condemn them for everything they... No, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Because that's what love does. Love forgives. Love is living for God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love is living to serve others. 
This is what love is. This is the love that Paul is inviting us into. This is the love that he's calling us to live in every single day and to live out of. So we receive the love of the Father through Jesus' death and resurrection. And then we extend that same sacrificial love out to the world around us. That's why love is the greatest because love doesn't look at, love doesn't go, what about me? Love doesn't even look at what about my life. Love goes, it's about God and it's about others. It's always thinking with those lenses on. And I wonder what our lives would look like, what our jobs would look like, what our schools would look like, what our churches would look like if we started living this way. And that's why Paul's like, we are too distracted. We are distracted with all the gifts and talents. Right. And in the beginning, he talks about they're like noisy gongs. They're just clanging symbols. But love, love is transformational. Love transforms cultures. Love transforms people. And when we love, love transforms. You see, that's why 2000 years later, we talk about Jesus. And it's undeniable the sacrifice he made for us. Undeniable that he laid down his life for us. And the Bible is inviting us into that story. The greatest story ever told. And at the center of that story is a God who loves his kids enough to die for them. And resurrect and restore To say not even death would stop us from being in relationship, eternal relationship with God the Father. And he's calling us to embrace that truth and live in that truth, live out of that truth. Jesus says to you this, I love you. Now, please, just please love others like me. Love others like you love me and like I have loved others. Love them. Love them so much. Give up everything. If you see a brother or sister in need, go after it. Go care for them. Go love them. Help them be seen. Be sacrificial in the way that you live your lives. Because when we learn to love like Jesus, that is when we will begin to really live. Many of you feel spiritually dead. Learn how to love God and learn how to love others. And you, I promise you will come alive. I see these pastors, like I told you in India, these pastors in Kenya, these pastors in Mexico that I was just with, and I see how they're sacrificially loving and I see them alive. And I desire that for myself. I desire that for my family. I desire that for you, the listener. So, What kind of love are you living out this day? What kind of love are you living out day in and day out? So Heavenly Father, we thank you for sacrificially loving us. Teach us to love others the way you have loved us. So take a breath, reflect, and believe that the God of the universe is near to you.